Thanks to our sponsor, Malloy Law Offices. They are a personal injury law firm here in the local D.C. area that helps others recover from car accidents, work injuries, slip and fall injuries, and other types of accidents. They work on what's called a contingency fee basis. So if you hire Malloy Law Offices after an accident, then you never pay anything out of pocket. They also offer educational content and free consultations for those who have more questions than answers, like us at DC by Foot. We're really excited to partner with them next month to learn all about personal liability as a tour guide in Washington, DC. Visit their website at malloy-law.com or call their offices at 202-335-6141. Malloy Law Offices is open 24-7, so don't hesitate to get the right legal help you need after a personal injury accident. Greetings, Tour Guide Tell All fans. This is Dan King, one of the producers and occasional hosts of Tour Guide Tell All. Just wanted to give everyone a quick status update. We have been off the air for about the last month or so. April showers brought lots of technical difficulties in May and a full tour schedule, which we are very, very grateful for. But that means the pod took a backseat for a little bit. But we are back. We have old recorded episodes that we're going to start releasing and some new ones coming up for summer. So thank you so much for your patience and all your help keeping us on the air. And just wanted to insert that so our fans knew what was going on. But we are back to our regular schedule. And here are the ladies, the Beccas. Take it away. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a bonus episode of Tour Guide Tell All. We are your friendly neighborhood tour guides, and we're here to give you a little bit of a behind-the-scenes glimpse at one of the most iconic places in Washington, D.C. But before we jump into our special episode, as always, I'm Becca. I'm Rebecca. And together we are the Rebeccas. Yes, that just always brings me joy. So um, we are coming at you with a little special episode today to highlight a something sort of touristy thing we did partnered with a very like DC bucket list item thing that we did. So we're going to tell you a little bit about what we saw, what we discovered, what it was like, how you can do what we did. And uh, that's kind of what we're going to do with this episode. So this is going to be a little bit more on the ground DC sightseeing specific. Yes. We are, so we're going to be freewheeling on this one. We don't have an outline. We're just going to be chatting. It's going to be so great. We uh, got a chance, got the enormous privilege and really neat uh, opportunity to go into the White House twice in the last 10 days. Uh, We took a West Wing tour and an East Wing tour. And we're going to talk about both of those. And before we do, I want to give a shout out to our extraordinary colleague, Kat, and her pal, Elaine, uh, who set this up for us. Elaine is so great and was very generous with her time and wonderful uh, and getting us both access to both of these really cool things. Um, We're going to talk about the East Wing first, although chronologically we did that second, but we want to build suspense for the West Wing. We did the East Wing, which is the standard public tour. And so we also wanted to talk about how, if you are interested in going on a public tour, how you can kind of do the same thing. And sort of just from a tour guide perspective, uh, this was not my first tour of the East Wing. It was at least my third. 
Yeah, definitely. I think most of our guides had been on a tour inside for the most part, but some not recently too. And so um, just to kind of kick us off, the first kind of East, we call it the East Wing tour because you enter through the East Wing. That's um, where um, all the guests come through for this. It's the public White House tour. Any American citizen can apply for this tour. You go through your member of Congress. If you look up your congressional member's website, there's usually a pretty clear link for request a White House tour or request tours. And you fill out your information. Uh, you must do this no more than 28 days in advance. So, or, or no later than 28 days in advance. So this is not the kind of thing you can say, hey, spur of the moment weekend to DC, I'm gonna pop over to the White House. You need to do it in advance. At this current point of recording, so in the spring of 2023, you can do it up to 90 days out. In the past, it's been as much as six months out. That could change, but typically it's a window. Uh, one of my tips for applying is do it as early as you can and offer as many dates. The White House is open for select dates and times for tours because twist, turns out the president uses the White House. There are events and activities and things going on. And actually a good friend and listener of the pod told me he was supposed to have a White House tour. And then it was the day that President Zelensky came from Ukraine. So I'll just put that as a little caveat. Even if you get a White House tour, it is never guaranteed because there are things that Trump visitors accessing the White House. So definitely apply, go through your member's office. It's an easy process. Offer as many dates. If you're a local, apply for a tour. You can go through the delegate of the District of Columbia's member if you are a, an actual resident of the district, but apply. I think even for locals, it's a very cool experience, but the earlier you do it and the more flexibility you give in the dates, the more likely you are to get a White House tour. The other thing I think that's important to touch on too is that there's a lot of security to go into the White House. Yes, be very clear when you read the instructions and only bring the things that you can bring, they say you can bring. If you show up with a purse, you won't be allowed in. It is actually the White House. They actually are very strict about it. Yeah, so at the time of recording, you can take pictures, you can bring in your portable chargers, your your wallets and keys, the things that you need to keep on you, but you're not going to be allowed to bring in your backpacks, your purses, you're not going to, there's a lot of restricted items, your tripods and your selfie sticks and all of that. So definitely, definitely, definitely plan to go through security, bring your ID. I have had guests on tours who yes. leave their, they, they, they're like, oh, I don't need to bring anything. And they leave their wallet at the hotel in the safe, but you need your government issued ID to get in the White House. So read those instructions, be prepared. Public White House tours enter from 15th Street Northwest and Pennsylvania Avenue Northwest. If you know the Hotel Washington, it's right across the street from that. Uh, the Treasury Department's on that side. It's very close to the White House Visitor Center, which I love as a pop-in. It's not a bad mm -hmm. place to visit before or after especially because they have restrooms there. Yes. But that's maybe the other logistical thing we'll mention. There, there are 35 restrooms in the White House and you get access to zero of them yes. on the tour. None of them. You cannot use a bathroom no matter what. So do it before you go into the White House. They will just politely ask you to leave and find a restroom yes. elsewhere. So plan ahead or plan to hit the White House Visitor Center before or after. That said, if you get it approved, get your time, show up, get through security, which you go through twice, uh, get your ID checked, you begin in the East Wing, which I think is really neat. Rebecca, do you want to give a little context on like what the East Wing kind of is, especially today? 
Yes. So the East Wing, you're going to enter into the, the White House through the East Wing, and you will immediately be greeted by a bunch of First Lady portraits, including one of the first ones you'll see is Nancy Reagan, this beautiful, iconic uh, portrait of her in red. And it, you'll see several of them. The First Lady's office is actually above where you are at that moment. So it's in the East Wing and um, has been for many years. So that's why the First Ladies have so many of their portraits. You actually will not find a portrait of the president or any president uh, until you move into the White House itself. So you'll be in the East Wing very briefly. You kind of walk down a long hallway. Uh, you'll get a nice view of the White House from inside. So you'll be able to see through some windows uh, into uh, the White House itself. You'll walk down a corridor and the corridors are decorated with the current administration decorates with their own photos of them. You'll see photos of White House pets, including past presidents with their pets. You'll see photos of presidents with diplomats and things like that. So you're seeing a bunch of old, a uh, bunch of photo collages as you head down the colonnade. Uh, you can look out over essentially the, the South Lawn. Uh, and so you'll see the Kennedy Garden outside, uh, but you're walking down essentially the colonnade. So the long hallway that if you look at the White House, connects the, the residents to the two wings, so the colony on that side. And so that's where you start. You might hear my good dog friend Callie there in the background. She is not happy about something oh, nice. outside. Apologies. Um, the East Wing is one of the more contemporary additions to the White House. It's built during the Roosevelt administration. In fact, they're building it even as we're entering into the uh, into the Second World War. So it's being built kind of in the early 1940s. So it's a more recent addition than the West Wing. And of course, the executive mansion is the oldest portion of the building. So it's a little bit more contemporary. Franklin Roosevelt sort of conceived of the East Wing as being this kind of museum. He thought that it would be this public museum and White House artifacts could be displayed there. And it would be a nice way for people to visit the White House. It is, of course, today kind of that. You get a little taste of that as you're walking along the colonnade, but it is very much a working portion of the White House. And I think that's kind of cool. Um, when we were there, um, it was around Valentine's Day. And so Rebecca was sharing that Dr. Biden's a huge fan of Valentine's Day. And so there was extra decor that was put up by the First Lady's office. Um, and I thought that was really neat. If you are a shopper or you're looking for like White House souvenirs, there is also a little gift shop at the end of sort of this colonnade. So um, you can also get a lot of really good stuff, yeah. um, white official White House ornaments and gear. Uh, that's all done through the White House Historical Association. You can get that at the Association's shop, which is open during the week in Lafayette Square Park at the Decatur House, behind the Decatur House, or you can get it at the White House Visitor Center. But there's something really cool, I think, about saying, I bought this at the White House, in the White House, and we didn't buy anything. We should have, but we didn't. Uh, we'll also pass the White House Movie Theater, which was really cool. If you've seen the episode of The West Wing where they're watching the movies, it looks like that, except the room is thinner and longer. So it's more of a theater vibe. It's on a raised platform. So you kind of, the seats go back further and it's all red. Like it's this beautiful, vibrant red. And most of the seats are pretty plush, like expensive movie theater seats. But the four in front are like straight up armchairs with ottomans and the seal of the president on the back of them. That's that's for the four power players right up front there. Uh, and we couldn't see the screen. It was uh, covered by curtains. But we saw the White House movie theater, which I thought was pretty neat. 
which they technically call the family theater, I guess, because maybe movie theater sounds a little um, bougie, but they call it the family theater. Apparently, Eisenhower was the first president to take like regular movies and films in the family theater. So it's part of the construction of the East Wing. It seats about 60 people, um, but it's Ike that's kind of like, hey, I got this. I got the screen. Why not use it? So um, that is really cool. Um, it's only been during the last couple of administrations that that's been open for viewing on most White House tour so you should see that when you come through so you come kind of through this colonnade you see all these portraits i was really impressed and moved by how many first ladies were on display uh and we were it was sort of shared with us that dr biden has really taken an interest in making sure the east wing is filled with portraits of first ladies and so it was nice to see not just if you go into the white house you're going to see some pretty famous first ladies dolly madison and jackie kennedy but to see maybe some names that aren't immediately on everybody's lips right away um to see like a best Truman to see Carolyn Harrison. It was really, I thought that was really neat. So take your time when you're going through there. So then we had, we went downstairs and there was, all, these are like, I think rooms that you think are on the ground level, but are actually below. So like the China room and the library. Right. The Vermeil room. Yes. Um, and these are rooms. So you can't go into these rooms. You basically can peer in through the open doorway. They have a little like roped off area. These are below ground. And my, my other big standard piece of advice to people going through the White House is take your time. There is no one to talk to you. Like there are secret service and they will answer your questions and things, but like, you're not getting a guided tour. You're on your own. You're not going to anything. This is the thing. So take your time and enjoy all of the things and make sure that you're done with what you want to see before you keep going, because you cannot go back. <laughs> Once you've moved through, you're done. So you'll see the library, which has obviously books, but also a genuine Georgia O'Keeffe painting above the fireplace. And it was, they said that it's the first contemporary or 20th century piece of art displayed in the White House. So it was the first one moved into the White House. You'll see the Vermeil Room, which is basically like fancy French silver. That has a portrait of Jackie Kennedy, which I really loved. And then the China Room, which is affectionately known as the Dish Room, which actually had far fewer dishes than you think it's going to. They were just in like a cabinet on the side of the room. The rest of the room has this massive couch and a nice carpet and a picture of Grace Coolidge with her dog. And that was pretty. These are essentially right. And, and had been used in, in other period and other eras and periods as additional sitting rooms, meeting rooms, social spaces, all things said and done on the ground level of the White House, which is sort of if you were to walk in from the north front side and go in that door, that's kind of the ground level. There's only about six rooms on that level. Um, there's not a lot. And so a lot of the spaces for smaller gatherings, groupings, other kinds of things actually are on that lower level. So you'll you'll be able to look in but you typically can't step into those rooms so it's a matter of kind of peeking taking pictures you'll see a lot of first ladies represented down in this area as well there was a beautiful portrait of calvin coolidge's wife grace coolidge uh one of my favorites with her dog rob roy she's in this beautiful stunning red dress um it's just one of my favorite portraits in the white house and this is where we have some more contemporary first ladies first lady laura bush has her portrait on this level and as does michelle obama who's the most most recent first lady to have a portrait added to the White House. So if you're going on a White House tour and you're looking for Michelle, you're going to enter right into that area right as you exit the colonnade. Um, so it'll be one of the first things you'll see. 
but again, I think I'll echo Rebecca's point. Everybody sort of thinks like, well, I got to get to the next thing. I got to the next thing. You know, whatever's at the end is going to be the best thing. At the end is the door to exit. <laughs> that is what's at the end of the door. The, at the end is a secret service agent politely being like, and this is where you go. Right. And once you go up to the ground level, there's not that many rooms left to see. And they're really cool and impressive rooms. But take your time, take lots of pictures and ask questions. That is what the Secret Service agents are there to do. So you may get a really chatty agent who might be talking as you're coming in the room. But often, they're going to wait for you. So don't be afraid. Right. Yes. Um, I was surprised, though, not as much China in the China room as I feel like in my head, yeah, I feel like there'd be a lot. They have a big cabinet in the hall with a bunch of China, like, and it's all displayed and you can tell whose it is. And they pointed out, you know, this is the Obama China, Roosevelt China, and Franklin Pierce's China, and all that. And then when you're done with this floor, you head up a big staircase and you're immediately in the East Room. And this is probably the room you have seen the most in the White House. It is where pretty much every televised event in the White House takes place because it's the best space for a gathering. So if you see the president giving an award, presenting a medal, if they're not doing something small in the Oval, if it's a bigger event, it's usually in the East Room. This is also where when you see performances, concerts, musicians, dancers, it's almost always in the East Room, I always like humble brag. My mom's danced at the White House. My mom was a ballerina, and that's her, her the first place she danced was in the East Room. And that's the kind of that's kind of what the space is intended for today. But it's certainly when you walk in, you'll be like, "Oh, I have seen this on TV." And for it's me, very recognizable. yeah, for me too. It, you tend to think like, "Oh, I've seen you know Lin Manuel Miranda debuted Hamilton there before it ever went on Broadway. He was like singing it in the East Room." But it's also the place where if you think about Lincoln, Kennedy, you think about these sort of tragic moments when we've had presidents assassinated, when presidents have died in office, typically the East Room is the place of mourning. This is where family and friends will say goodbye. And so it's also kind of this site of kind of national mourning and tragedy as well. So there's like an interesting dichotomy when you walk in. It's such an interesting room. And when you see it on a tour, it'll be empty. But they have put, like, if you've ever seen the president uh, award someone the Medal of Honor, they'll bring in a big stage and it's it's there uh, in between the two major portraits. And the two big portraits on either side are going to be Martha Washington and then George Washington. And it is the portrait of George Washington, the one that Dolly Madison saved from the burning of the White House. That's what hangs in the East Room. So this is where you've seen... Anytime Nixon resigned, I think, in this room, that's that press conference, I believe, is in the East Room, the Medal of Honor. If everybody's always, we've all seen that famous meme of Obama giving Biden the Medal of Honor and him tearing up, that happened in the East Room. So that's where this is. It's a massive room. And then you're going to, you'll see as you go through, you'll get a sneak peek into the hallway. You'll eventually go out into the hallway a little later on. But where it's going to direct you from there is the colored rooms. There are a series of color rooms. Uh, the first one you'll see is the green room, which is called the green room because it's green. <laughs> yeah, the, this is where we get into the, um, uh, you feel for the agents who must like have to answer this question a hundred times a day, mostly from snarky people. There's a green room. There's a blue room. It's like a gold room. These rooms are 
called what they're called because that's the look they have. I really like kind of that part of the White House tour because to me, it's like clicking back into time. You see a lot of period furniture. This is what I think of when I think of Jackie Kennedy working on turning the White House into a museum. When you go into every room, be sure to look up. The ceilings are much higher than you might think in the White House because the room sizes aren't massive, but the ceilings are high. And this was something that they did for ventilation and airflow, um, but also to give it a sense of it being bigger than it really was. But if you look up, you'll notice that there are portraits just on just about every corner of the wall, and not just portraits, but works of art from the period that much of the other items in the room would date to. So you'd have landscapes from the 19th century in a room with mostly 19th century furniture. Um, but you'll see first ladies, presidents represented, um, family members of presidents. So it's the kind of space where you're kind of walking through and you're like, yeah, I, I get why this is the red room or I get why this is the green room, but you're going to want to make sure you take some time to actually look up and around. Cause even like above a doorway or like behind you, there'd be somebody yeah. hanging and you're like, that's, that's a president. Right. Also look out the window. If you go um, try to look out the window, because these rooms, the next couple of rooms we're going to talk about all face the South lawn. So you'll see the Jefferson, the Washington Monument in the background. So you'll see them out the door and you'll find this is where like the green room has that very fabulous portrait of Edith Roosevelt, the first first lady Roosevelt. And as you're moving through at some point, you'll see these photos, these famous portraits that in many cases you've seen in pictures before and you it dawns on you that these are original these are the real ones here all these works of art this is real <laughs> uh and so you kind of get a little like i got a little overwhelmed I'm like oh wow these are the actual portraits of whoever it is that they're supposed to be of the green room is lovely the blue room we have talked about the blue room on a pod before yes we have <laughs> Um, if you remember the Cleveland wedding, mm -hmm. Grover and Francis Folsom, Cleveland, their wedding was in the blue room. Um, the blue room is spacious, but it's also perfect. It's not that big, nope. so it's kind of perfect for their very quiet wedding. If you think about the south side of the White House and the Truman balcony and kind of that rounded balcony that extends from the south side, the blue room is round because it is the ground level floor of that. So it has a different shape than the rooms that flank it on either side on the red room and um, the green room. And so I, I really loved that space. I thought it was so beautiful. It's a good space for a wedding because it forces you to limit your guest list. Like you can't have too, too many people in there. And the thing about the blue room that I found really intriguing is they've painted uh, around the roof, around the top of the room, they have painted like a faux blue curtain that's not real, it's painted on, but it looks like a blue curtain. It's really kind of neat. Yeah, it looks like a valance kind yes. of going around the top that echoes the tapestry hanging in there. Really, really, really beautiful space. And as you're going through these rooms, you can still peek into the hallway. So while you're like making your way through, you'll see more presidential portraits in the hallway. You'll see some bus. So it's kind of fun. There's a great amount of natural light coming into the White House, which is really lovely. You don't appreciate, I think, from the outside how many windows there are, but inside, and it makes sense. It'd be perfect for entertaining. It'd be perfect for an era that predates, of course, electricity. But um, there was so much beautiful mm -hmm. natural light coming in. 
Um, I really enjoyed that. One of the things about the White House that constantly is striking to me, like going in it, is how much it's designed to be an, an, a space of entertaining. This is the house of our chief executive. This is a house where the president is going to be entertaining all kinds of important people from all over the world. It is designed with that purpose in mind. Uh, it is designed for large scale gatherings and small scale gatherings, and it is designed to overwhelm you. Uh, and this will, I'll mention this again, I think when we go to the uh, West Wing, everything you're seeing is immaculate. Like it is insanely clean all the time. Things do not look like they've aged. It all looks perfect. And there are flowers everywhere. Beautiful, fresh, seasonal flowers that are arranged daily that change, you know, change with the seasons. They change with the taste of the first family. They change with events and programming. It's like incredible to go into every room and be like, oh, everything down to the flowers is themed to this room in this moment in this time of year. Um, it was just really, really awesome. So you kind of go through this series of three colored rooms and then you're basically over onto the west side into the state dining room, which is basically a bookend to the east room. Uh, the state dining room is exactly what it sounds like. It is the place to which state dinners are supposed to be held. The problem is this room is big, but it's not that it's big. Not, like I could hold it for there because I'm not state... cooking for more than like 10 people. But um, if you're trying to have more than 100 people, it's near impossible. There are official estimates say they can seat about 100 to 120. I, I'd have to be invited to see it in, in practice. So what they have in there when we went through is a long table in the center, which sat maybe 25 people. Um, so that I assume that they have rounded tables for a state dinner. But even so, it looks cramped for 100 people. This is where the big portrait of Lincoln is above the fireplace. Yay. Uh, it's a fairly spare room, actually. Uh, there's only that big decoration. And then the there's not a lot in terms of other decorations on the wall. There's a, a large scale mirror, which you're going to notice mirrors in a lot of these rooms. Again, mirrors will make a space look bigger. It's a way to make the space look impressive. But other than that, there's not a lot of decor in the state dining room. And it's because it's the space that has to be the most flexible because they may be setting up for 20 people to dine, maybe setting up for 80 people to dine, maybe using it for other things. Often the president or first family, I should say, when they are, have the time that they're leaving the White House at the end of their administration, the state dining room has often been a space for them to say goodbye to the staff and um, exchange gifts and all of that. And so that's often used as a gathering space as well. But a lot of state dinners in the present era actually take place outside because you can tent outside and fit way more people. And so um, they use the seated dinner portion outside and use the state dining room as more of a cocktail space or a reception space. But yeah, I can't imagine really trying to put, what do you need? 10 round tables, 12 round tables. It's yeah, it would have been tight. It would be very tight. I'd like to see it in person. Um, if anyone's listening to this, who can invite me to a state dinner? Yes, That'd please. I just, just, I just want to see how you do it. I just, I'm curious. I also would like to go. To and state. then guess what guys? That's it. That's the end of, of the room. That's it. You then exit out into this hallway where the red you uh, the red carpet has been rolled up because we're not the president. And you see a couple more portraits. Uh, JFK and Ronald Reagan are facing each other, which just amused me to no end. And then you <laughs> basically exit out to the north side of the White House. Uh, you'll see there is a designated spot where the two most recent presidential portraits to be completed uh, stare at each other. So currently, that's going to be Bush on one side, George W. Bush. 
and Barack Obama on the other side, and they face each other. The portrait for Trump has not been completed yet. And at that point, you exit out the building. There's a very polite and nice Secret Service agent who says thank you for coming and waves you on. <laughs> so by the time you exit the state dining room you're you're there's a nice little photo op space where there's this um a door with like the flag the american flag and the presidential flag and the seal of the presidency it's a great spot for a family photo or group photo um but then you're seeing kind of those recent presidential portraits and then you're out so again there's no need to rush through any of these rooms take your time because once you exit the state dining room that's kind of it Although I will say when you exit, don't just run off because as you walk out of that north front, you're looking out onto the north front side of the lawn, which typically you're on the other side, right? You're on the, the side outside the fence. You can see Lafayette Square Park. If you look immediately to your left when you come out, you'll see a bunch of green felt covered tent area. That's press. And when we were coming out um, today, there were, you know, people already reporting live from the White House. So if you're there during a, a weekday, you're very likely going to see the press in action. You'll see them going to and from the press briefing room. So it's definitely worth, like, you can stand out there, take a moment. And if you turn back and face that north front door to the right, you're going to notice that there's actually a little piece of sandstone under a window. And Rebecca Eagle Eye caught this first. That is unpainted because the sandstone itself is not that bright, bright white. It's the many coats of white paint that they put on the White House. And they have left one section unpainted to just show the original material of the White House. That's sandstone at the direction of President George Washington. Washington chose the sandstone from a quarry in Aquia, um, which is not very far outside of DC in Virginia. And so it was really cool to actually see that sandstone on the executive mansion uncovered. Yes. Right on the front. So that's the East Wing. Now we're going to switch gears. <laughs> so the West Wing we saw at night, and it was a Sunday night. So it's dark and it's deserted, and it was very exciting. And same thing, you get two levels of security, you get a, a visitor's badge, and you have to be with somebody. So the East Wing tour, you're kind of on your own, and you like if you're with your family group or whatever, you go through together. But the West Wing tour, you have to be with someone who has a badge. And the only way to get a West Wing tour is to go through a staffer, to go through somebody who works there. And this is not even a matter of like, they only get so many spots, but then they also have to be available to yes. escort you. So um, if somebody like our very kind Elaine does it for you, you have to think of a way to show yes. your gratitude because um, not only are they signing you up and giving away those um, very coveted tour spots, but they have yes. to be with you. So they're coming on this tour, whether you like yes. it or not. You cannot take pictures in the West Wing. So we have no pictures of many of the things. So when you go in, in fact, the very first thing you do inside the White House is put your electronic devices in a locked box and you carry the key around with you. They don't mess around. Yeah. Lock it all away. There are large glossy photos, or at least the current administration has large glossy photos of them doing exciting and diplomatic and heroic things everywhere throughout the West Wing. I mean, it's their office space. They do what they want. You, we saw the state, the Navy mess, which is like a nice fancy pants dining room. I, this is a, a restricted dining area. This is not where your everyday executive branch employee gets to eat. No. Um, our staffer was sharing that for the most part, you have to really be 
you have to be a certain ranked officer or you have to be dining there at the discretion of somebody fairly high yes. up. She can't just be like, hey, I'd love to have lunch right. here today. Yeah. <laughs> But it was a very fancy schmancy looking. It was very uh, fancy. Right. There's crystal everywhere and like silver and it was very nice. And across from that was the door, which was not open and they weren't going to open it for us uh, to the situation room. So the sit room, if you watch the West Wing, my understanding is it does not look the way that it does in the TV show. It's actually like five or six different rooms. Um, and so you go through a series depending on your clearance and you have to, once you get inside, it's a, a skiff, which is a secure information uh, facility. You have to put, lock up your, if, even if you work there, you have to lock up your devices and things like that. So it's actually a series of rooms that sort of are all called the sit room. Uh, we could not see in the sit room, although I would love to, if anyone like wants to get me in there to see it, that's like my <laughs> dream, but obviously... <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. I have zero security clearance whatsoever. You then go upstairs and we were brought outside to the Rose Garden, which we were there in February. So there were no roses, which was sad. But you can see the Rose Garden. You can see the beautiful Truman balcony, that sort of rounded front. And it actually, surprising to me, is a balcony. It's a surprisingly large balcony. I was a little stunned by this. Um, you could sit up there and like call out a lounger and some like a cooler and just have, an, have yourself a nice party out there. Like there's exactly what Harry Truman wanted a place yes. for he and his family to chill and enjoy. And when you're out there, like where, where we were out by the Rose Garden, you're looking out on Sure. essentially the National Mall, right? You can see the Washington Monument, the Jefferson Memorial. If you're there, lucky enough to be there at night is yes. where everything was lit up and illuminated. And then you're looking at kind of this corner of the building and you're like, that's yes. the Oval Office. It's right there. And we didn't know, we didn't think we were going to see the Oval Office. So we thought like she ported us out, you go this very specific spot and you look over and you see the rounded wall and the outdoor like windows and it's all lit up. Uh, and that's, we thought, as close as we were going to get. So we're like peering over, like craning our necks. Um, and so we stood out there for quite a while, just sort of chatting and looking at all of this and sort of taking in the moment. And then you walk back into the White House and every doorknob <laughs> is the it's seal kind of, of amazing. Present. Like it's this, they're massive. We touched all so the doorknobs. Cool. It's massive. We touched all the doorknobs. Sorry, not sorry. Uh, they're massive and they're gold plated and they got the seal of president. It's really cool. We saw the cabinet room, which was smaller than I thought it would be. It seems like it, and we have to remember too, the cabinet has evolved over time in terms of the number mm -hmm. of cabinet secretaries. Washington had four. Yeah. So it, when he was, and there wasn't a West Wing back then, but if he was thinking, I need a room for my cabinet, that's four guys, the president, the VP, that's six. Now we have what, like 16 cabinet secretaries plus the president and the vice president. So it was not a very big room. And when you look at that big table with the big chairs, everybody has their specific chair. It must be pretty packed once they're all in there. And it's also not like the president, vice president, and the 17 cabinet secretaries who come in there, they just like hang out just the like 20 of them. Like they all have staff and like a chief of staff that comes with them. And like, this must be very crowded. Um, the president's chair is slightly taller than all the other chairs. It's like two inches taller because, you know, president. But it's actually, Drama. yeah, <laughs> but it's actually smaller than I thought it was. And one of the pictures we saw was a picture of 
like these big glossy photos. One was of Biden and Harris looking very intent, like meeting and clearly talking about important state occasions. And we realized they're sitting on the chairs that were right next to us. And so we sat down and then just pretended to be, um, yeah, yeah. Um, so again, sorry, not sorry. We did also, speaking of Vice President Harris, we did also see the hall leading to her West Wing office. So the vice president actually gets more offices than just about anybody, I think, in the government because the vice president has an office at the U.S. Capitol. The vice president in most administrations has a working office in the West Wing. And the vice president has formal a formal suite of offices in the Eisenhower Executive Office Building. So, you know, if you're a VP, you got plenty of space to call your own. And so we did not get to see beyond the hallway, but the, you can imagine if you're vice president in the West Wing that day, you've got easy access to the Oval, you've got easy access to the cabinet room, you've got easy access to the situation room if you need to be. So it gives you some proximity. So it's easy to think of the West Wing as just being the president, but there's quite a number of people who are coming in and working out of that space. And I knew that, but like to visualize that they are in a not that large, all things said and done, part of the building. It's pretty snug. Yeah, it was pretty snug. And so we walked down the hall and then we all noticed at the exact same time, like there were six of us and we noticed the walls are curving. And we're like, wait a minute. And they brought us, and we didn't expect this at all, but we were shown the open door to the Oval Office. And the door was open and we couldn't go in, so we could, but we could stand on the threshold and like look in. And we all like, I think we all had like a religious experience. We all like our jaws dropped and we just, I almost teared up. It was like, it was hugely cool uh, to sort of look in and see the Oval. It is just like it looks on TV, a little smaller, just a little. Yeah, every movie or TV show that has an Oval Office set, that I promise you that set is bigger than the real Oval Office. Because yes. once you have the Resolute desk and mm -hmm. tables and chairs and artwork and, you know, bookcases, it's yep. not that big of a room. So it was not, it's very impressive in scale, but it's going to be probably, it's, to me, it was slightly smaller than what I was, I think, envisioning because of film. And more like just adapting it to the actual, like, spatial understanding of it. Yes. Um, Biden has it decorated just this shy of crowded, like just shy of crowded, with a bunch of busts all around the room. Rosa Parks, Eleanor Roosevelt, Cesar Chavez, Robert Kennedy, Harry Truman, Becca's birthday buddy, uh, and then paintings on the wall. Because of the angle we were at, we could not really see the fireplace. And so he's got George Washington and Hamilton and Jefferson and somebody or other else we couldn't see really above the fireplace. That was the, the angle we were at was not great. But we could see the Resolute desk which was actually really clear, clean. There were phones and an outbox, and there wasn't even a blotter on the desk. There was nothing. Behind the president, uh, the table behind him against the window is where the president keeps their family photos. And so it was crowded with Biden family photos. He also keeps the Biden family yes. Bible, which I was like, what is that? There was a giant book. Yeah. When I tell you giant. guys, I've seen the George Washington Bible. I've seen some big Bibles in my day. This is one of the biggest Bibles I've ever seen. Like, been the Library of Congress seen the Gutenberg Bible. This is bigger in terms of width. And it's the Biden family Bible, and he keeps it very close to the Resolute desk. Also on display was something that the Israeli president had just awarded him, I believe, um, a special medal awarded to him. So some some things that that apparently do change out a little bit are, you know, if there's a gift from a recent foreign dignitary that might be on display. There were some really 
lovely works of art in addition to just the portraits. Mm -hmm. So there was uh, some Remington sculptures. There was um, a beautiful impressionistic uh, Hassam painting. So that's, uh, you've probably seen it of like, it's like the flags waving in a parade. Mm -hmm. If you go to Old Ebbett Grill, it's on their um, menu. So it's kind of beautiful because there's this, there was the stuff you expected to see resolute desk, sure. you know, presidential stuff. And then there was like the, oh, what is the stuff that Biden picked? That was kind of cool to evaluate. And then just like, what are the other little elements of this room? We definitely, in apologies to Secret Service, like touch the wallpaper. We like slit our head, slit our hands in, touch the wallpaper, yes. um, stuck a toe in. Sorry, not um, sorry. <laughs> yeah, you know, you, you got to shoot your shot when yeah. you get the chance. But it was really remarkable. It was remarkable to see it in person, to understand that pretty much every president for the last 70 years has worked out of that space is really yeah. impressive and incredible. And for some context, the West Wing is a first added as a temporary addition by Theodore Roosevelt. It's William Howard Taft who works out of the first Oval, but the Oval Office that we saw in its present location is where it has had been since Franklin D. Roosevelt. So that is, you know, 70, 80 years of presidents in that space. It gets redecorated. Each president gets to adapt it as they see fit, but it's become this now continual link that we didn't have before. Presidents worked out of different parts of the White House previously. And it's exactly where it is because the president Roosevelt was in a wheelchair and he could be wheeled down the colonnade and right into it's the easiest access from the residents. And so it was easy for him. It is lit up just like almost blindingly white. The lights are recessed in the ceilings, most of them, and it is very, very lit up. There's a, like five doors too. There's a lot of doors to the oval that the very famous carpet was there with the seal and then that's mirrored in the ceiling there's another seal sort of like a bas relief embossed into the ceiling of uh the same thing this uh the seal it was the resolute desk is amazing and the bidens have it decorated in creams and yellows which is not always the case different presidents have different you know depending on their taste and sort of the taste of the era uh, but the bidens have it decorated to emphasize the like white quality, the blinding whiteness of the room. Uh, and so it, it really was, um, it was pretty cool to see, honestly. <laughs> and I appreciate it. Um, just like in the, in the kind of executive mansion portion of the White House, there's Secret Service agents stationed everywhere. And they're not just there to make sure that we stay where we need to stay and do what we need to do. They were also incredibly knowledgeable about the West Wing and its history. And I was really grateful that the agent who was near the Oval Office pointed out that they actually have a book with images of like the last six or seven administrations. So you could sort of see how the space changes and doesn't change, right? Some presidents go with a real red, white, and blue. Some go with uh, something a little bit more darker, a little bit more lighter, but all in all, right, you start to see kind of a thread of the Oval Office to a point is going to look the same because of its unique shape, because you're going to keep some of those key figures emphasized there. So uh, if you ever do get to take a West Wing tour, take advantage of the agents again, because we... We had a chance to ask if they had seen ghosts, which was really fun. We got to find out about celebrities they'd interacted with, but also you get a little sense of how does any given president use this space? And that was really interesting and informative. Yes. And across the hall is the Roosevelt Room. So if, again, if you saw the TV show, because this is everybody's entry point for the, the West Wing, it doesn't look anything like it does in the TV show. It is directly across from the Oval and is mostly blue and cream. And it is named for Teddy Roosevelt, 
but when from that very first angle, you can't see Teddy. When you first look in, the portrait you see is Franklin. And then the Secret Service agent pointed out that Teddy Roosevelt is the only president of the United States to receive the Medal of Honor, which we knew because we're nerds. And he's also the first president of the United States to receive the Nobel Peace Prize. And their actual prizes and medal are displayed on the wall. And so we got to like peek in and look at Theodore Roosevelt's uh, Medal of Honor, which was really cool. Yeah, it was like, I remember sticking my head in and looking to my left and being like, that's a Medal of Honor. And I, it had not clicked to me that it was the Roosevelt Room yet because it was just, I I think because it was right across the hall, I thought maybe it was something else. And I'm like, oh, it's a Medal of Honor. Oh, it's probably Teddy Roosevelt's Medal of Honor. Oh, this is probably the Roosevelt Room. Like that was the thread of thought to me. And then she was like, make sure you turn your head the other way and you'll see the Nobel Peace Prize. Because it was just, it was overwhelming. It was amazing, but overwhelming. Um, So you're kind of like, it takes a minute sometimes for your brain to click in and go like, oh, again, like you said, you're looking at the real thing, the real deal thing, not just something in a book. Yeah, it was, it was incredible. And then you sort of leave this Roosevelt uh, room and you're able to look, we were able to, at least on our tour, look at it from a couple different angles so you could see everything. But then you kind of go through what is kind of the VIP reception area. And this is where typically we're talking your generals, your very important people, your Kennedy Center honorees when they get to come through and get their pictures. And I can't even imagine what it's like to work that desk and have to be like the gatekeeper to people that think they're important but are not important enough to be in the VIP reception area. Yeah, yeah. Two things stuck jumped out to me. First of all, in the Roosevelt Room, there was a massive television set up for Zoom. So like it is still actually an office. Like they actually do work in. That was the first place I feel like we saw anything that felt super office. Yes. And then as we're wandering around this reception room and the, again, the secret service agent who was there was very knowledgeable and very kind and was very good natured about all of our ridiculous questions. But Rebecca noticed on his desk was a phone and then near the phone was a button that said crash. And we were like, oh man. This is how you know, like, this is, they're not messing around. They're not messing around. And it was really fantastic because they had a cabinet with president's papers, collected president's papers in them. Mm -hmm. They had wonderful works of art. Again, even in this reception room, uh, we had an agent who was able to tell us a little bit about the art. We were able to see the Chinese vases that were gifted to Nixon when he went to China. Um, So there was a lot to see, even in what is just essentially a waiting room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go into the Roosevelt room or into the Oval Office. And then we thought, okay, cool. We've done that. Now we get our phones back. What else is there to see? Oh, there's more because there's the press briefing room um, where we could take pictures. And that was really awesome. So we got to go into the press briefing room. The location of what is today the, the Brady briefing room used to be the pool. So it is very much shaped as the like an indoor pool space. It's rectangular. It's kind of long and narrow. It feels a little like a gym. <laughs> even gussied up (laughs) Um, and it is tight in there. Um, I loved seeing the assigned seats. That was, I think the coolest thing for me. It's narrower than you think it is. It's narrower than it appears on TV. And 
each news outlet has an assigned seat. So it's set up like a theater essentially. And like the front row are all the major networks. And then there's the like some international ones. Then you move further and further back and all the whole, they all have assigned seats. And apparently it's a pretty big deal where you're like to move them around and all that stuff. The main cameras are in the back of the room. And there's only like seven or eight cameras. I thought there'd be more, but like apparently they must share some kind of a feed or whatever. I don't know how that all works. Uh, but the podium is there. You can't go onto the podium, but you can take pictures with your, like a selfie with yourself in the like White House podium in the background, which obviously we all did. <laughs> This is just speculation, but my guess is people were spending so much time taking pictures behind the podium that now they're like, forget yeah, no. it. It's just like too much work. Yeah. Um, Cause I, I have colleagues who had pictures behind the podium and couldn't believe we weren't allowed to, but just the selfies alone took some time. Imagine if everyone wanted to stand at the podium. Yeah, that was, it was really cool to imagine too, if you really had 50 reporters in there, White House correspondents, plus your your press secretary, plus the camera crew and everything else, plus all the staff that makes that happen, it would have felt very crammed in there. Crowded and loud and hot, I bet, with all the like electronics running and yeah. all that. I imagine it gets really warm in there really fast. And you have to imagine too that kind of the door leading in and out to the press briefing room takes you out to the north side of the White House. And again, that's where those kind of green felt covered tents are. So you've got people that can literally go from the press briefing room right outside to their camera setup and say, Here, here's what we've learned, here's what we know. Um, so there really is, you can imagine a sense of kind of hustle and bustle back and forth. We were there on a Sunday night, no news breaking. And if there was, we wouldn't have been probably allowed over, but it was easy to kind of imagine on a busy day like that race to kind of get back and forth and get on the air. And it must be so interesting because the press is only cleared for so much. Like that's why the press room is sort of where it is and the, the, the green tents for outside reporting are where they are. The press are not necessarily cleared to go into the West Wing unless they're with somebody. So they can do their press thing and they have rooms behind where they can like sit and file their stories or whatever, but they're not really cleared security wise for like the rest of the thing. Uh, and so that was kind of interesting too, just how like press is there, but they're not 100% there. And then we got to go into the Eisenhower Executive Office building. And again, Elaine was very generous with her time and took us all over the place. And we saw the Eisenhower building is um, where basically, a, well, if you work for the West, the president, the executive branch, generally you're not going to have an office in the West Wing because it's actually not that big and there's only like 30 offices in the West Wing. So most people have their office somewhere else. Uh, and this is an 1880s era building, which is very ornate and lovely. You've seen a picture of it. It is literally smack dab next to the White House uh, and has like the National Security uh, Council offices are in there and the president's global initiative on whatever, the vice president's main office. And so we were able to kind of walk through that. We saw the old uh, Secretary of War offices, which Robert Lincoln would have had. Um, we were able to walk through a bunch of reception rooms. And so we kind of traced through, and this is like super nerdy history people stuff. Uh, we were able to take pictures of all kinds of fun stuff. Once you get into the executive office, the Eisenhower building, you take pictures of whatever you want. Um, but yeah, it was really neat to see that. We walked all the way through it. It was very lovely. Yeah, it's really unlike when you think of an office building, like this is, this is probably not it. There were these beautiful cast iron rotundas and just really beautiful detailing. Um, 
inside the building that you weren't expecting, but it is massive. It's about 10 acres of office space. There's over 500 individual offices inside. So as you're walking down these like long halls and the halls are long and you're looking at doors and you know most of them are the kind of doors that even if it was a work day I can't imagine anyone coming and going because they've got like eight different things you have to tap into to get into this door um, but you try to imagine just how many people work there how much is actually happening in that building almost all of the policy shop is there so policy work is being done out of this building um, I loved seeing the Secretary of War suite it's essentially 10 rooms 18 different Secretaries of War worked out of that space. And it was really kind of incredible to think of like Robert Todd Lincoln, for example, thinking about these individual men gathering together and making plans. And uh, there was even a private bathroom tucked into the suite at one point, but sort of having their private space to um, determine things that that suite actually looks out onto 17th Street. So if you've ever walked down 17th Street along this building and you were to look up, I can't remember what floor we were on because we walked on so many floors, but a whole stretch of that side was the Secretary of War suite. And then I loved seeing the Indian Treaty Room, which was absolutely stunning. It's one of the more popular event spaces in the Eisenhower building. It's where a lot of holiday related events or fun, um, fundraise, not the right word, but like awareness events are held. It's had this incredible like mosaic floor, just absolutely gorgeous. Um, it was like a couple stories high. And then it made us laugh because it's used for event space. So you're in this like fancy old fashioned room. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> you see this little place to plug in. It's like plug in iPhone here. And it was like the auxiliary place to plug your iPhone in if you wanted to play music. And we were really, really tempted to do so. But we, we really didn't. were. Yeah. Um, we in one of the Secretary of War offices, they have a globe that opens up into a like a wet bar, which was fantastic. And but there was no booze in it. We checked, um, and we were we walked through all of it. What was really interesting to me is this office is well over a hundred years old, uh, and so has these old ornate, beautiful doors that like took a key at one point, but now like you have the special security <laughs> fob that you need. And so it was not only the like nor the like old school like key, but also a like, security to get in. It was it was. And while we did not get a chance to go into what I think is the coolest thing over there, we did at least get to see it from the outside, oh. and that's the Truman. Um, bowling alley. There's a two-lane bowling alley. You eventually, uh, I mean, really go down to the very bottom of the Eisenhower building and walk through a tunnel, which basically is kind of putting you right between the West Wing and the Eisenhower building. And that's where um, this bowling alley is kind of bordering along the West Wing side. But apparently you have to book it and reserve it. Yes, and the, we heard this. And the night we were there as we were leaving, it was the crew, the party going in and they had their cake and food. It looked like a birthday party. And I was so sad that we couldn't go. Right, you need to know somebody and you basically get a key and you can like essentially hang out there for a few hours and bowl and have like a massive party. And so they were bringing in booze and uh, food and they're gonna have a big party. And I was like, ah, this is a new life goal, new Washington DC goal is to have a bowling alley party in the um, White House. It was really, it was really moving. It was really incredible. Um, it's hard to like talk about it and not feel like, oh, I got to see this and you didn't and whatever. That's not, not, not my intention here, but it was just to see it up close. Yeah. 
when it can, we talk about this stuff all the time. And then we live mm-hmm. in a city where politics is such a big part of day-to-day life. And it can be easy to sort of feel frustrated or cynical or disillusioned. And then to see it up close, to see the things we talk about, it really moved me. Um, and it was really, it kind of gave you those like goosebumps. And I'm not just talking about just the Oval, but like even being in the Eisenhower building, getting to see these places that we see from the outside all the time. I just, uh, I feel very fortunate. And uh, it was really wonderful of our colleague, Catherine and uh, Elaine to really be so generous with their their spots and their time and let us come on this tour. It was really something for a place that we see so often and we see from the outside so much. It was really great to sort of get a sense of what it looks like on the inside and to see the places where these important and historic decisions get made. And even less, even I think more important to see like the work that goes on in the White House that's perhaps unheralded, but super important. Uh, That was really neat to see as well um, and to sort of get a visual of it. And, you know, it it was it was really cool uh, to get a chance to see. The, the whole thing was really neat. So it was, a, it was a real privilege and a treat. What was the number one like thing that you saw? Like, and I like, I will take the oval off the table because that was pretty cool. But like, what's one thing that you were like, yeah. Um, I don't know. I think the thing that I, I mean, other than the oval, I think the thing I liked the best was really kind of seeing like out the, the the colonnade and the rose garden and sort of getting a sense of like that space uh, and the Truman balcony. I was really like awed by how big a space the Truman balcony actually is. So that was really neat. And just the, how clean everything was. And and that was, I think, really cool for me. What about you other than the Oval Ouger? That's tough. Oh, and Teddy Roosevelt's. um, That's what I was almost going to say, like, just to be like, oh, look to the left and there's a a medal of honor which is not something you see every day and then be like oh right. this is gonna obviously be right. the only presidential one is pretty amazing yeah. i really liked seeing the cabinet room because you and i are both big betty ford fans and so in my head that was kind of like i like could transpose that photograph and then seeing it and being like you could almost then imagine the moment of like she was probably in the hall we were in stepped in through that door and hopped up right and so that was really cool and it was like it just was a way to contextualize something that I talk about on my first ladies tour and that I that I talk about a lot when I I talk about the Ford is this particular moment and I loved being able to really place myself spatially to go like oh this this is it this is this is how it happened yeah um so I would say that and and the medal of honor that was really really cool um, and then in, in terms of like the, the White House itself, to see the two new Obama portraits in person, that was new to me in terms of I've been on a White yes. House public tour before, yes. come through the East Wing, you know, seen it. Um, and it's always fun to see. But to see those new um, portraits of the Obamas, both of them yeah. um, are fabulously done portraits. And I love where they're positioned currently. And so that was that was really exciting. So if you're listening and you're thinking about getting a White House tour um, or you've done it before, uh, but haven't done it in a little while, that's something new ish to keep an eye out for when you yes. come through. Yes, it was very, very fun. And uh, it was it was a bucket list, I think, uh, experience. It was very cool. Had a ch- had a chance to check a little little bucket list item. Yep. Yep. It was good. Thanks for coming along with us, fam. Um, 
Hope you enjoyed our, our little West uh, sojourn into the White House and um, hearing about it. And if anyone wants to invite us back to the White House, we are always available to like hang out and swim in the pool and stuff like that. We're, we're, we can make ourselves hugely available. <laughs> yeah, yeah, please. We are we are able to do so. As always, thank you for supporting and listening to Tour Guide Tell All. We love when we have a little chance to do a little special episode like this. So until next time, um, keep keep having fun. Keep listening to the pod. We appreciate you. And uh, we'll see you in the next episode. Thanks, everybody. Bye.